You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. How are you doing, Christina? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I am doing wonderful. It is Good. really, really great to see you. It's Wednesday, if you can believe it. I do. I do. I, it's and beautiful, too. It, it is. And we are, just to let everybody know, you are tuning in to episode 83, Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. Woo. So welcome to the Recovered Life Show, everybody. Thank you. And for those of you who've been asking how to support us, make sure that you like, follow, and share. Plus, we have a system now to accept donations to keep these things going, these wonderful topics. So you can buy us a cup of coffee. It says buymeacupofcoffee.com forward slash recovered life. And we have amazing things planned. So thank you to everybody who's asking. Thank you for those shares, those likes, those follows. We will keep this going. It so helps us, Christina. I mean, everybody who's listening, it's another day in recovery, another beautiful day in recovery. Beautiful. We're halfway through the week. Uh, I was so excited to, one, see you do the show. Um, and, you know, I just love all the interaction uh, that we too. get from people on the app and through Clubhouse and everything that we do. It really has, this has really turned out to be a lot of fun. I really look forward to it. It really, it really is. And I think that the things that we are bringing to the surface, talking about recovery, taking the stigma away from it, discussing it, it's, it's very important. So thank you for starting the show and thank you for inviting me to be your co-host. Well, this has been a lot of fun and we've gone live now for several weeks. And uh, look, we even got up and I think we even made it within a couple of minutes today. We would have done it. Yep. Yeah. We would have been eight. You know, a little, so we always say we go live on or about Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. <laughs> uh, and so we're, we join you every day. We've got a great show for you today, guys. Uh, it's really an educational show because we're going to dive into some news topics that are out there and also some research. So hold tight. We've got two amazing segments here of the Recovered Life Show. Now, uh, Christina, you brought this to my attention. I did. Uh, this first thing. And you you sent me a text on this. And I was looking at it. it and I got, I got to tell you, I did not know how to pronounce this word. I'm going with nitazines. That's what I'm going. I tried to find out how to pronounce it, but I, you know, called some medical professionals. That's why we're reporting on it because most people are not familiar with that. They're familiar with fentanyl, but yeah. nizines and uh, cardafentanyl or no carda. Do you remember how to say that one? Cardafentanil. Yeah, cardafentanil. Yeah. And I had not heard of these, and I wanted people to see that this is a synthetic opiate that was invented 60 years ago. And it was basically trying to find a replacement for morphine, for pain, mm. but it is not approved. In fact, you know, one of the medical professionals in this article from U.S. News, and I found several articles on this. I mean, this this news article came out February 17th, 2022. So this is fresh news. Um, some of them said there's literally no medical use for it. Some articles said 20 20 times more powerful than fentanyl. Some said 40 times more powerful than fentanyl. Yeah. And they're finding it on the streets now. They're finding it. They found it in five different states. So that's something to watch out for. California, Iowa, Louisiana, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. And I think that we also found out it's in Washington. 
Yeah, so. yeah. And this is a crazy thing. I For those of you that are watching this on the live stream or replay of this, uh, I brought up the uh, U.S. News article. Uh, and this was crazy. Like, I, I, I had heard about opioid addiction, obviously. Of course. And, you know, look, we come across, you know, you're in the coaching world. And, you know, if you're in the recovery world at all, you're going to come across people that have been uh, addicted to uh, to op opioids. So th this yes. is nothing new. Like I think, you know, all the way through the last, I would say 10 years, uh, there's been an increasing people that have joined the recovery movement that Absolutely. just were opioid addict uh, addicts. Right. They were, but this is crazy. Like when I, when you go into this article and about that, it has no legitimate medical use because opioids actually do have, yes. you know, for people who don't have addiction problems, have uh have have use you know in the in the civilian world right as I would say. <laughs> but this is this was so crazy how addictive not only addictive this was but how deadly this was that's the scary part so with people that are you know in the throes of addiction they are iv users you know we know that there's been a huge uh transfer from opiates you know, which were medically mm -hmm. prescribed, started off very innocently to take care of pain. Um, I know this story isn't about it, but we do know that there were definitely liberties taken in the description of opiates to patients, not realizing it was addictive. And then they found themselves dried, you know, their source was dried up and they started moving over to heroin, yeah. right? Yeah. Because heroin was cheaper than actually finding pills. And now we know, and we've, there's been a lot of discussion. I think we discussed this on uh, Monday about how many deaths have happened. It's up 40% in some states of yeah. people that are going after something that is dangerous, but not deadly and finding out that it's been laced with something that's incredibly deadly, like fentanyl. And now this one, 20 to 40 times more powerful and they're finding it. And so I think it's important to share it um, because of harm reduction and trying to save lives. Yeah, it just seems like sometimes I, I look at the news about addiction and sometimes it just it just seems worse and worse and worse. It's like it gets worse, like the drugs become more deadly. And I think the thing that gets me about the opioid thing and the fentanyl thing is that the amounts of it. Yes. So, um, you know, people could be. Yeah, people could be not understanding what they're actually taking yes. and they take way too much of it. Right. And that's the thing with fentanyl. But what, what got me about this article and as I started to do some research, I was like, wow, this is a huge deal. Like this is big. This is, this is just as big as when fentanyl started. It is. And you can do it. You can snort it. You can take it. And so let's say you're out there and you party and maybe you feel like you don't have an addiction problem. It could take your life. Because and the reason why we're bringing this is we have a lot of new people that are getting into recovery and, you know, maybe they're relapsing and they're not, uh, you know, they're not really understanding that understanding. Last... Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, and then they, they, they gateway into something else. And the other reason that I want to do this too, is that, uh, you know, so many people that are living in active recovery that have lived in active recovery for decades have family members and kids and stuff that are, you know, going to college. You know, I, right. I, I talked with this kid that uh, he's not a kid. I mean, he's in his early 20s and he was talking about how ketamine that, you know, people were taking ketamine on campus, which is Absolutely. like a veterinary tra tranquilizer, right? Well, like, and, and and I was like, you got to be kidding me. 
cardafentanyl is yeah. used to euthanize animals, right? Ugh. And people are not recognizing how dangerous this is. And, and most of the time they don't even know. So, you know, in the, in the vein of harm reduction, whether you believe in it, whether you don't believe in it, it yeah. is saving lives. Um, it is helping people stay away from these life-threatening drugs um, and, and move on to something else until they can get to recovery. Well, um, we, you know, when we were talking, I said when I started to do some research, and we, I want to play a little clip from yes, uh, a Washington State uh, TV station, which we'll give the credit to after you see the, the the clip here, about how prevalent this is now, this opioid addiction, uh, you know, in Seattle and about about the amount of deaths and overdoses on the street that are going right. on. I mean, when you watch this, it was shocking, right? I mean- well, and it's not just relegated to the streets either. You know, um, we hear about one or two people, you know, a young college student loses his life or she loses her life because she didn't expect it. We had that happen here in Newport Beach where, you know, there were five people. One one girl went home and decided she didn't want to do. All four of the others died. And yeah. so some some stories get a lot of press but it is happening, like you said, on the streets. And we are not recognizing, I think, uh, how powerful it is and how quickly it can happen. And we do not want that to show up. Yeah, in I our think lives. awareness, awareness is the first is, is yes. the first step here. So let's ro let's roll this clip because I think this is a really good clip because this is actually someone who's been fighting uh this benzodiazepine and the the uh the nitazine addiction. Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna roll this clip right now that was uh, taken from a Washington TV station. Great. This alley to me has been home for a very long time because it's where I slept. Ash Mako knows the underbelly of drug addiction. It is hard to see someone go from near death to breathing. Good timing and Narcan. The opioid reversal drug helped him to save a man's life, but it's even more personal. I carry Narcan with me because I myself have been revived with it. And if I wasn't, I'd be dead. Ash OD'd on opioid pain pills. Every day, two people in our state overdose on opioids. And now a new threat, carfentanil. When you heard about the carfentanil and the syringe, what was your reaction? Do you remember? I was like, oh, crap. Caleb Bantagreen is a researcher and scientist at UW's Alcohol and Drug Abuse Institute. It's even that much more strong than fentanyl. And so you need even less of it to uh, get a lot of people high on it or, or kill people on it. The state crime lab discovered traces of carfentanil in a syringe mixed with other drugs right here at this unauthorized homeless camp near the Fremont Troll. It's where five people OD'd on the same day in January. We still don't know yet if that carfentanil is connected to those five overdoses, but the health department raised the red flag about it in this blog post, calling it deadly but rare in our state. With these newer synthetic opioids we think are mostly coming in from China, they're so potent you just have to ship a little bit. In short, it's here because it's profitable. Carfentanil is used for large animals, not for human beings. It's not uh, safe for human beings. Bantagreen says users don't know what they're getting. It's sold as a white powder substance or in pill form. We've been hearing about big increases in fentanyl and other fentanyl-related drugs from the East Coast and the Midwest for several years. Six overdose deaths in Maryland were linked to carfentanil in 2017. In that blog post about carfentanil in Seattle, this advice if you do illicit drugs don't use alone and always carry narcan well i wow. mean was that not crazy 
Right. right. It's so, so frightening. So frightening. Like she said, they don't know what they're getting. People yeah. don't know what they're doing, you know, and the fact that it's so easy to sneak into this country makes it incredibly powerful and yeah. something we have to talk about. Yeah. You know, the thing that I got from this that was uh, that was is that this has already been going on and then the mainstream kind of hears about it. Right. And just from an addiction standpoint, and that's what the show is about, you know, we might have people that are listening to this that are, are, are addicted to, to, to these drugs or have a family member that is. Mm -hmm. And the question I always have is that, is this different? Are these designer drugs somehow is the treatment for addiction different? And I, and no. I will tell you, see, I, I kind of agree. I disagree a little bit with you. Go for it. Okay. Because having worked with people that uh, are coming in from alcohol or uh, recovery, right? I, mm -hmm. I believe that, you know, that whole benzodiazepine class, I do believe that uh, psychologically, as far as oh, your yes. memory and things like that, I believe that it, it trails a little bit more. And after talking to psych nurses and stuff, you know, I saw this with meth, you know, there were a lot of people and this is going to be, look, guys, this is going to be controversial. I always say the thing, Christina, that everybody hates, right? I, they, they put it in the comments like, you know, Damon, why is David so negative? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying that like what I saw, like when I saw meth come on the scene, you know, and I was never I, I was not somebody who took drugs. I was like, that's just not me. Right. right. Like uh, alcohol was my thing. But when I saw meth come in, I saw the rates of people getting sober go way, way down. Mm. Right. Um, and uh, meth treatment, what would happen is I would see people who had the deal that were doing the deal and would have these like little, um, I'm just going to say like mini emotional relapses, mm -hmm. not like you would see in alcohol, like you have those with alcohol, but it was almost like a chemical kind of reliving of it, right? Yes. And well, I would yes. see them going. And so, you know, I, I think the process isn't any different. Like I agree with you. It's like, you know, people got to come in and they've got to like decide Hey, am I willing to do this or am I willing not? But I'm wondering, like, what is the long term effects of people trying to get in recovery when they've been taking, uh, you know, nitazines and stuff? Well, it's so new in many ways, even though the drug was created 60 years ago. This is the first time we're seeing it. And I, I believe that we'll see it in every state very shortly. And so we don't necessarily have the studies. A lot of times we talk about the quick concern. Um, but we have no idea. I mean, as an interventionist, the treatment is the same, but each one of these drugs, including alcohol, alcohol is still responsible for the most deaths uh, when you are trying to recover. You have to do it with medical supervision. And that's mm -hmm. why I bring up harm reduction. And I know harm reduction is controversial, but you have to make your road in recovery a little wider at first and continue to make it narrow. And we need to have medical help when getting rid of these drugs. We need to have not only uh, actual physical help, we need behavioral help. And sometimes, you know, often, like if I'm placing a client, I need to make sure that where they're getting placed actually has the tools to handle, you know, the meth use, the eating disorder, the behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. So not only does it cost something, a lot of people have depression and anxiety. And if it takes six months to just even get 50%, you know, these are yeah. studies that we know, six months to get 50% of your brain back. 
And that's a very crude way of saying it, but to have access to your brain with alcohol, I can only imagine how much longer this does. Well, here's the thing. It was interesting. A couple, uh, several months ago, it was almost a year ago, I had an interview. It was like last summer, I had an interview with a scientist who mm -hmm. was working in the opioid addiction thing. And he was not in recovery, but this was his whole focus, right? Was to uh, develop new ways for people to detox from opioids. And one of the things that's interesting about opioids is the cure, the detox cure for opioids is opioids. Yes. And so what, what, what we were talking about with this is about like, in a way, how crazy that is. Right. But like he said, there's no other way because of the thing with opioids that makes it a little different is the nerves in mm -hmm. your body Mm -hmm. are like it really affects the nerves and and opioids cycle through your body at different times right right so you could be sober as a church mouse for 90 days six months but have some sort of opioid um physical relapse yes. right now of course i'm not a doctor guys and don't quote me and i'm not you know but i've seen this i've seen this personally in just working in recovery right with right. help trying to help people get sober that you know, I've seen this, I've seen people six months a year and talking with people who are psych nurses and doctors that are also in recovery that are working. And they're telling me, they're like, you know what, this is cycling through your body. So it's not, it's not a one and done like detox where no. you're through it right. with alcohol. And then you're kind of through it. Like you'll have cravings, but it's different. People with opioids are actually feeling this yes. for and, so long. And all of the things, you know, I recently worked with a client who went under anesthesia for a medical procedure. It was necessary. And the feelings that came up just because she, it was close to some of the things that they used in the past caused a lot of distress for this person. And I think the more that we talk about it, the more that we understand this is important for the world to not relegate everybody into, you know, they're, they're out there, dirty needles, they're addicts. We don't have to care about it. People get into real trouble. People that weren't expecting it. Like you said, they never had a problem before. And all of a sudden they are addicted to opiates. Opiates attach to your opiate receptor right? That's how they work. And like you said, the nerves deaden, right? And so it's very simple. Unlike alcohol, which processes through the liver, you can process one drink at a time, you know, one drink per hour, and you can get it out of your bloodstream sooner. These hide. And it's really important to work with uh, an interventionist or to work with a professional, you know, medical professional to make sure that you can ride that wave when it shows up and to have alternatives. Yeah. And I think that the, you know, just that clip that we saw, and I'd like to thank, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the people who produced that it was a local, uh, it's called Como news in Washington. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know, Washington has seen this, this huge explosion yes. of fentanyl and, and, and nitazines and all of these, the, these benzos and the illegal benzos coming over from China Wow. Uh, like, like it said, you know, and and really, really kind of going through the streets. But like you said before, Christina, it's not just the streets. It's it's not. It's, it's housewives. It's mm -hmm. it's dads. It's right. It's everybody. It's it's executives. And they're and they're taking these designer drugs. But what's happening is the response is not what they think it is. I mean, you know, it was so sad to watch that this kid's got to walk around, you know, Narcan. in a civilized world with Narcan. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, hitting people with Narcan. Um, cool. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, because 
with science, the drugs are just going to become more designer and more designer. They are. And with the legalization of uh, marijuana, there is a big push from illegal you know, drug dealers uh, to get this on the streets and have it available. And so that's one of the reasons why we've seen the shift, because all drugs are about money. Right. And uh, that's a huge motivation for certain cartels and different people. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but that's truly what's happening. It's true. The minute marijuana was legalized in most states, all of a sudden there became a huge marketing campaign for these designer drugs. So absolutely, it's something to, to have guard against. You know, not only did it become did become a market for it, but I think that I think that people in recovery are not geared mm-hmm. uh, to deal with this. And I'm I'm going to tell you this too because there's a lot of misinformation out there regarding drugs and recovery in general that I found. Right. That there was a lot of things that I believed that I was told or taught in twelve step mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love 12. I don't want the comments that I hate 12. I love he 12 loves 12 steps. steps. He loves I it. Do. I do. <laughs> Christina knows me personally. And I, I am, I'm, I'm big on that, but, but there's a lot of misinformation on it, Christina. There is. And, you know, and I, and I've heard things and, you know, and, and I actually believe things like, you know, I've heard things like, Hey, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to be graphic, but I know people who, you know, are, you, you're going to have to take a Something. drug. If you yes. get sober like me in your twenties, you're going to have to take some sort of anesthesia or drug right. in your lifetime. You're right. going to have a surgery. The emergency is going to have to happen. So, something will happen where you have to do that. Even like colonoscopy. I don't want to be real, but I've heard people say, don't take a drug for that at all. But they come in for alcohol and they've been sober for years. Like there's a lot of misinformation. A lot of black this, and right? white thinking. A lot of black yeah, and white thinking. Yeah. Well, and this I- is the cult. This is the cult. Mm. Uh, mentality. And again, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but this is the cult mentality <laughs> of a bunch of people running around, uh, not really knowing what they're talking about, you know? True. True. And right? uh, I mean, and you could go further and talk about, um, you know, when I first, cause you and I got sober both in the nineties, there was a lot of discussion against medications that perhaps, perhaps help people. You know, uh, I am much more open these days than I was for ADHD medication or antidepressants. And I remember that being a big no-no originally. And there are definite cases in when in which an antidepressant is important. You know, it's important to have that during certain parts of our lives. As a mom of a special needs child, I definitely have had to utilize that option to be able to show up for him. And I know that there was a little bit of shame attached to it. And I fully yeah. believe that there shouldn't be. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, there it's the wrong conversation that people are having right. in the recovery community. They're 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 having this abstinence uh, conversation mm-hmm. that doesn't apply. Like if I fall down and break my leg, and they have to give me anesthesia, I have not relapsed, right? Like, no, not and at there all. are people, by the way, and and I'm and I'm just and this might be shocking to some people that are listening. There are some people that believe, well, you have relapsed because you've done it. It's absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. And, and you know what? And there's a lot, and I've seen people die that have had mental health issues. I've seen people literally get wiped out Mm -hmm. because they've, they've believed this. Now at the same time, I've seen medical abuse in, in 12 steps where They've said you're this ism, you're that ism, mm-hmm. and they load people up with drugs. 
before they actually have a, a, an ability to get sober. You know, I've known people who are diagnosed schizophrenic, that mm -hmm. have been diagnosed bipolar, that have been diagnosed with uh, five other things, but actually after they got sober, they were fine. Right. They, got re they, they, they were none of these things, but the doctor had no idea how to deal with it. So they just throw drugs at it mm -hmm. and they walk away. Right. So it's an educational thing. And I think as this goes on, that's why we're doing the show. Partially. Exactly. Like we know that like there, there's funner things. We, we could talk about resentments or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's so it's fun. <laughs> and we do. And we do in some episodes, right? We do in some episodes. But the, but the fact of the matter is, but the fact of the matter is, is that these are things that really take people out in recovery, not having these conversations. Absolutely. Not having these conversations. We and that's what absolutely we, we have to, because the thing is, is that the drugs are only going to get more designer. Uh, the application in the medical world, like what you're able to do medically and what you're not able to do medically has changed, right? You don't have a choice to do certain things anymore, right? Like, so so the thing is, is I think the more that we focus and, and, and bring light to this issue, the better off we're going to be. Absolutely. We need to do it with our children too. Yes. Oh, yes. And that's why we're doing this. It's because mm -hmm. not necessarily the person who's listening, but the but the niece and nephew or the kids or the family member, right? Or friend that's going through this. Well, Christina, a phenomenal episode. We've got much more show ahead. Uh, but first I wanted to, uh, I wanted to tell everybody about an exciting free gift that the recovered life has, uh, for you. And, uh, it is, if you're listening to this right now and you listen to us talk about, uh, recovery mm -hmm. and you hear us talking about codependency, Christina, which you're an expert at, yes, right. If you're in one of our clubhouse rooms and you're saying, you know what, what is this all about? Like, I just don't understand what this is all about. There's a lot of people in recovery that are like this. Christina and I put together this really amazing free gift for everybody that you can get right now. And when I'm saying it's free, it's a hundred percent free. There's no trick. There's nothing you can, you can, you can watch it, start the journey a hundred percent for free. It's called can't say no. It's a free three day challenge. Uh, and if this is for anybody who's an over volunteer, if you're over volunteering, Christina, and you're <laughs> constantly the person that has to bring the cake to the party. If you are overwhelmed constantly, if you're always the go-to person that has to solve everything in your family, if you are feeling just worn out and tired, you take every request on, that might be a sign of a codependency issue. <laughs> and we're telling you, take this free three-day challenge. You can get it every day. Christina uh, delivers a personal video to you, and it walks you through some basic core boundary issues that you can, and techniques that you can apply. And you know what, even I've never, like you say, Christina, uh, you've never seen anybody who's come into a 12 step program that doesn't have some sort of codependency issue, right? Not one. Not yep. one. So if this is you do this for free, I'm telling you, this is going to change your life. Recoveredlife.us forward slash can't say no. That's recoveredlife.us forward slash can't say no. So after the break, we're going to come back uh, with another amazing segment. So hold tight. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. You know, 
Damon, you mentioned Clubhouse, so I want to make sure that people know what that is and how to find us. Clubhouse is an audio platform, a social audio platform, and the Recovered Life is bringing four beautiful, we call them rooms, four different times through the week, Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. And all you have to do is download the app, go and follow Recovered Life, come into our rooms, talk about it. It's where we get to share different ideas and different topics like setting boundaries on Wednesday. Tuesday, we do the brain room. Thursday, we talk about being stuck in the recovery world, meaning stuck in our own recovery. And Monday, you like the way I did that without any linear <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love how you and did Monday, that. Monday, we set the tone for the week. And it's just a great place. It's a beautiful community. It's absolutely free. Make sure that you join us and you can get more of this and a whole bunch of people behind you um, talking about it. It's like having a room in your pocket. Well, you know, thank you so much, guys. And welcome back to, to segment two of the Recovered Life Show. Uh, episode 83, Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. Uh, Christina, thanks so much for mentioning Clubhouse because before we go into this next segment here, which I know everybody is going to love, uh, you know, the Clubhouse has really changed my life in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I first, it's an audio app if no one is on Clubhouse. We have a huge Recovered Life community there. And like Christina said, we're on four days a week at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And, you know, when I first came on, I thought, you know, we can be of service. We mm -hmm. can do, we could hear what people have to say. Maybe people that are in early recovery will bring some contributors on. We'll add some value. But I have to tell you, I think I've gotten way more value than I've, than I've given on Clubhouse. Oh, it's been, it's been phenomenal for my life. I started listening last February when everybody was still at home. And I cannot believe a year's gone by. I now live in a recovery world where people uh, halfway around the world are joining me and we are all getting to know each other. And it's just, it's really a beautiful, it's a beautiful addition yeah. to your recovery program. It is. And you know what I love about it is there's always something going on. There's other rooms too that I go to on there. But I have to say the Recovered Life rooms are just amazing. Yeah. And we cover the things that, you know, I always used to sit, you know, I remember having like 10 years and 15 mm -hmm. years and sitting there and saying, you know what, man, I really wish we could talk about uh, neuroscience. Yes. I, yeah. And I would look it up on YouTube and I would, and I would show people like, and say, Hey, check out this video. I'd send it. And they'd go, that's really interesting. And we talked about it in fellowship, but we could never really dive in. Right. No. Um, but these man, we're going deep. And the difference between clubhouse and the show is that on clubhouse, you're also talking, you're talking to us. Right. 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 It's, and, and that's the amazing thing. Yeah. I've met so many beautiful people. And, you know, one of the reasons why I love 12 step group is because of the fellowship is because I get yes. to walk through recovery. And this is just, like I said, a big bonus to my recovery program. Yeah, exactly. And so guys, you can join us there. All you have to do is go to recoveredlife.us. And if you're not a member of Recovered Life, you can join for free the community. And we have a little event calendar that will prompt you on everything that you're interested in. If you're interested in neuroscience, all that stuff, you could just click on it. So right. we're going to go back to the show now. We're not going to shamelessly plug anymore, but we're, <laughs> we're doing it because it has a lot of value for people. It does. Right? Like, it it's does. Really, it's really crazy. So I, I found this article uh, and I want to talk with you about it, Christina, because I found this totally interesting. Most people that are in recovery will identify that they have a lack of power issue, 
a control mm -hmm. issue, right? Mm -hmm. And this was from Psychology Today, and it says how chronic trauma can make a person controlling. And it was uh, it was uh, uh, reviewed by a guy named Tyler Woods, and it's just really it's a super interesting article. What I like about the fact that they're connecting this, and this is something I wholly believe, is that a lot of people come in, and if you're familiar with 12 Steps, they have this little word called character defects. And I, for a long time, have felt like those are actually survival skills, and they are a trauma mm -hmm. response. And I know that you did a show with a neuroscientist, Stacey Danford, about character defects and trauma. And I love the fact that if we can look into these things, then we can stop thinking that they didn't, you know, they came out of nowhere. We can quit pathologizing ourselves and we can actually see where we developed because of trauma belief systems. I mean, who wouldn't be controlling about their circumstances or their surroundings that grew up in an unsafe home? Of course, many of us would be controlling. I know I was hugely controlling and that caused me a lot of heartache in my life. It was one of the things that contributed to my substance abuse. And well, so I love yeah. it. Yeah, well, you know, this is one of these things you mentioned, Stacey Danford, and I, I will definitely say an old dog like me can learn new tricks because <laughs> I, 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 when I heard that, honestly, when she says it's not a character defect, it's a trauma response. And still, guys, if you haven't seen that episode, it's on the Recovered Life app. It's on YouTube. It's one of the most downloaded shows that we've had on the podcast. Um, it was controversial. And I got, I got some... I even had people that saw it that were in my home group call me and go like, eh, really? Like, uh -oh. that's kind of crap, right? But after they watched it, they got it, you know? And this is a new thing for me, And but it's it. I think trauma is one of the biggest things, the study of trauma, that has come into addiction since, I would say, the 12-step creation. I think it, I think it is big. You know, I'm, I am a member of adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, and there is a way to, um, unroot, discover, you know, uh, what our trauma is and it's called blameless. And there is a way to do that. And I think that many times people will say things leave the past in the past, but the past is giving us clues. We have belief systems based on that trauma that no longer serve us. So we must go back. And I, I do, I believe it's the graduate program of 12 steps. It's a wonderful program or you work with a coach, but we have to, trauma has to be dealt with or you'll be dealing with it every day of your life. A hundred percent. And I'm going to bring this up on the screen for people who are watching the live stream or the replays. If you're listening on the podcast here, I'm just going to read this stuff off to you uh, because I thought this was good. This article goes in and I wanted to go over these key points because mm -hmm. one of the things I do love about psychology today is they'll just put the key points right up front. True. So if you're a little ADD like me, I don't have to wade through to figure out what the, what's bit. the point. A little bit. Just a little bit. Come on. Come on. It's, it's <laughs> my, as, as we're going to do an episode, ADD or my competitive edge. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So here's, but here's what it says. Interesting uh, enough uh, about a chronic trauma. How can make a person control it? It says victims of chronic trauma often have an overwhelming desire to control their surroundings. Absolutely. Do you find that to be, I, I find oh. that to be the case. Absolutely. And that's why I like talking about it uh, in other words than character defect. You know, it didn't come out of nowhere. It didn't come out of nowhere. We have clues and it, it would be impossible. It would be telling somebody, you know, I don't want you to go to work with your glasses on if we don't look at it. It's that debilitating for us to 
engage and maintain healthy relationships, for us to have a healthy self-esteem, um, for us to you know, live a beautifully recovered life, we must be willing to go back and take a look at it. So, you know, the, the thing that, the thing that I love about this is the next statement that it says, and, and what you said is the character defects thing. This is where I think this comes in. Mm -hmm. So it says victims can improve their recovery by recognizing a maladaptive control issues they may have developed in response to trauma. And this is the whole thing about character defects, Christina. And I want to throw this theory out there. Okay. Yeah. Character defects, meaning that you're judging something as good or bad. But as we find out through 12 steps, sometimes things are neither good or bad. You might have a maladapted response to something that's not good or bad. It right. just doesn't work. It's either effective or not effective. When you put True. the word defect in, then that automatically makes it bad and you can't objectively look at it. I've always said, one of the amazing things about recovery is that the first part of recovery puts you in a place of neutrality where you right. can look at things from an honest lens. Right. And that that is extended to the um, ACOA and D program. And for people who are not aware of that, that's adult children, adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. It's a beautiful program that takes it away. You're you're exactly right. Character defects or things that are hurting you now are just not right-sized survival skills. Almost in every case, there was a reason why we lied. There was a reason why we were controlling. There is a belief system that's hidden way under um, I often refer to the book, The Body Keeps the Score, mm -hmm. which shows like one of the hugest medical studies came out of Kaiser Permanente. And we know that physically after that, it was 36,000 people, I believe, that participated in it. After looking at that stuff, we know that it actually changes our genetic code. It, of course, is going to change our nervous system. It is, of course, going to make us want to be controlling because we have to protect ourselves. And it isn't until you're willing to look at the work and start to unwind it that you no longer have to have that. It's literally stripping something away from somebody, ripping that blanket away. And it's important to do it with gentle hands. Well, they use a, in this, they use the 12-step the vernacular. They, they use do? the word powerlessness. Yeah. Yes. So they say, what does powerlessness mean, right? And when they're talking control, powerlessness, right? And it says, it's interesting, the big takeaway it says, it says trauma victims can take back some of their personal power by impartially examining yes. their needs for control, right? Like, so this is, this, is, this is a huge win, I think, for anyone who's listening here, because it says like, if you have control issues or you feel uncomfortable because you're not in control, right? Right. M more importantly, just be, being able to impartially just step back mm -hmm. and to examine this is like, why do I need to be in control here? Why do I need to have the outcome? Why can't I just do what I want to do or right. do what I need to do, right? I'm right. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be right. I don't need to be. Now, These. what's so interesting with this is I, I, I heard this from the very first week in recovery. What's that? Right. Well, these these sayings like just relax, you don't have to be in control. Mm -hmm. But now, 30 years later, you know, they've been saying them for decades. 30 years later, now it's we good. now we have doctors that are saying, hey, you know what? This might be a trauma response. And how you do it is just impartially let go. It, it absolutely is. You know, the things that were discovered um, through the 12 steps 80 years ago, we are now getting scientific data backing it up. Absolutely. I love that part of, of addiction and realizing that 
wow, this is really one of the you know, most miraculous invention of all time on how to deal with your addiction. And, you know, I think that a hundred years from now, people will look back and say, wow, how did they figure that out? That that was the way to heal. How, how did they figure out how to overcome addiction? And there are many different programs out there. Most of them have some kind of component though around this, because if you don't heal the trauma, you will be holding your breath for the rest of your life. And, well, and that's a terrible state to be in. Well, look, this is the big science. Uh, I think this is the big science thing that's happened in the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I would say definitely 50 is this thing about trauma, this trauma response. And it's really kind of sad because you look at some of the ways in which the, the, the real world basically treats right? Uh, uh -huh. Trauma response. And they're not so uh, compassionate. No. And there's a big like, why can't you just get over it? And, yes. Uh, like, why do you keep doing this? And this also, I think, explains a lot why a lot of people who have gotten into recovery that become obsessive compulsive, mm -hmm. that have that, that have issues like that, right? Like, because that's really what it is. It's a it's a, this patterning of this trauma response. It's going over and over and over and over. So painful, such a, and when there's freedom for everyone in this area. I mean, there's so many different things that we can heal trauma. There was a lot for a lot of times people felt that PTSD was permanent. And now we understand that it's actually can be shrink as much as 80% through EMDR, through personal reflection, through all kinds of different modalities. There is so much help out there for you. Don't yes, be afraid. Yes, absolutely. And I think one of the best things, you know, uh, with, with the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm just going to quote quote okay. the, the the book itself. One of the things that I think the most uh, interesting thing it says there's a, there's a quote in there. It says, "Lack of power was our dilemma," and and I think what this basically this is a, this article is a scientific uh, approach to that statement, in my opinion. Right. So it's a Absolutely. scientific approach because the thing is, is and I, and I think that the whole key to this, the you know, people are listening to this and saying, man, this is me. Like, I, you know, I never was controlling before, but now I got sober and now I'm totally controlling. Right. Like, you know, this is something to look into. Did something happen to you or is there some sort of pattern that's running in you that is is uh, feeling that you need to have this sense of power, power? Mm -hmm when it's totally not rational. It, it's it just not rational. But but somewhere it was rational. And that's why you have to go back and figure it out. Somewhere it was in your history. And you're right. The somewhere it was. Yes. And so let not looking at it is letting trauma drive the car. Um, well, this whole ACOA thing, Christina, like you mentioned, this is the, this is the game changer here. Mm -hmm. uh, the, this whole ACOA game changer, because, you know, as you get sober and you work through and the years go on, you realize it's like some of these ideas, because be, you know, I believe that all of sobriety and recovery is letting go of these ideas. It's yes. not about obtaining anything, right? Not it's really. about letting go, right? It's about right. letting go. How do I let go of these old ideas? And you start to realize that where did these old ideas come from? You wake up one day and you're like, you're 10 years sober and you're like, why, why do I believe that, right? And right. and this is this is really, I think, this is really the key and I think can be the lever for, you know, I know it was for me and for other people as well to really look at, to say, it's like, you know what, Hey, why am I believing in doing the things that I'm doing? Right. Right. Examine.
examine. Absolutely. Well, guys, I, this has been a phenomenal episode. Thank you, Christina. Oh, episode 83. I Woo! can't believe it. And I wanted to just let everybody know, uh, people want to know how they can, uh, you know, help the show, how you can help people. You know, we're reaching a lot of people here on Recovered Life. And a way to be able to keep us on air is to support us, right? Yes. And this show is always brought to the brought to you by the Recovered Life contributors and people just like you that are listening. So if you guys are getting some value out of the show, we're listening to you. And, and the way to really be able to make your voice heard is to make a small donation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash recovered life. And that's buymeacupofcoffee.com forward slash recovered life. And you can, you know, you can help keep us on air. You can help us get the message out to other people. We use all of that money. We pour it right back into the yes. show so we can get on other feeds and other things and there is really no, get this out. There's no coffee being bought with it. So <laughs> there's no coffee being although, although, although I am, you have that. You're caffeinated. I am on my second cup, Christina. You know that <laughs> caffeine is something that I've yet to be able to uh get rid of. That, yeah, sometimes slowly. <laughs> well, episode 83 in the can. We will see you guys Friday for TGIF Sober. Yes. On the 11th, we'll see you there. Have a really great day and we'll see you on Friday. All right. Bye, Damon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.